part of that reluctance for me is thinking, can I really do this? Can we really make a difference? Or am I just blowing smoke here? Are we really moving the needle? And I realize that that's only a concern for me when I come from a space of I have to be the one to do it. Welcome to Social Entrepreneur. My name is Tony Lloyd. I'm a former Fortune 500 executive, but today I spend my time with changemakers who are making an impact in the world. We hear exciting stories of ordinary people just like you who are making a difference. They share their successes, their failures, and what they're learning along the way. Thanks for being with me today. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Social Entrepreneur and today's guest, Judith Martinez of In Her Shoes. Now, In Her Shoes is a nonprofit for catalyzing courage for girls and women of all ages, and they do that through an annual summit, through workshops, through mentorship, through leadership training. But listen in this story about where Judith's sense of justice comes from. So here she is to tell the story, Judith Martinez of In Her Shoes. Hi, I am Judith Martinez, and I am the CEO and founder of In Her Shoes, which is the Modern Woman's Community for Courage. Okay, so say more about that, Modern Woman's Community for Courage. What, what does that look like? My goodness. In the time of 2021, I'd say that that looks like being a community and space that offers conversation, connection, and mentorship, I think, for this emerging generation of what it means to be a woman today. And what does it look like to be a woman grappling with the challenges that are being confronted by not only women, but our allies in furthering gender equity and what it means to be a woman. Yeah. And when you and I corresponded a little bit ahead of time here, there was something in here about committed to catalyzing courage for girls and women of all ages. So what does that mean, catalyzing courage? What, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, in terms of actually turning that into a physical reality, we, we pose this one question, which is, what would you do if you were just 1% more courageous? And that is just a question and a prompt that truly serves as a tipping point. I think it's a tipping point for experience. It's a tipping point for activation. And it's a tipping point to create pause for people to make intentional decisions that could impact their community beyond themselves. So I think catalyzing courage could look anything like choosing to raise your hand in class when you otherwise would stay silent to deciding to become an ally at your next board meeting to make sure that the voices who aren't being heard are actually being catalyzed in the meeting. It could look like voting for the first time or coming out around your sexual identity to your parents. So catalyzing courage looks very different for every individual. And that's part of really the, the heart of inner shoes. What would you do if you're 1% more courageous? I, I'm going to talk about me for a second. I don't always talk about me on these, uh, on these podcasts, but I had this conversation with my psychologist this morning. I see somebody once a month and we have these sort of probing kind of conversations. And one of the things I mentioned to her is that I've noticed that I'm speaking from fear lately. So I'll be in a meeting and somebody will say something and I'll go, you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid this might happen. How could we like that? 
And I noticed that I'm like hedging my bets a little bit. And one of the things that she mentioned is that we as humans have been disappointed many times in our lives, right? So by the time you reach our age or your age, about half of my age, by the time one becomes an adult, you've gone through a lot of disappointments somewhere along the way. Like you tried something and you felt embarrassed or you, you were awkward in some way, socially awkward, physically awkward. So part of the habits that we pick up are the habits of protecting ourselves from being disappointed. And I believe, and I am not a woman, so I cannot speak for women, but I believe that there is an extra amount of pressure on women to not just to be brave, but to be perfect. So if the problem is that a woman wants or needs to be 1% more courageous, what's the solution then? Mm. Well, first off, thank you for sharing all of that with me I, and, and the listeners that are hearing about this too, since we don't get to hear about you that often. It's interesting. What really stood out to me, Tony, was when you said, if that's the problem, right? The problem is we need 1% more courage. And I have to admit, I don't view it as a problem. I just think it's the reality. I think it's a human phenomenon that we all experience fear. And in her shoes just happens to focus on the fear of young girls and women specifically, because I think part of what in her shoes also factors in is we can only get so far as extending our work and these meaningful conversations across the aisle, so to speak, right? So our counterparts. And so I would say that first off, but if we are looking at fear and needing to be 1% more as the problem, then I'd say the solution is actually not viewing fear as a problem. What if it's okay to be absolutely terrified and have no idea what you're doing for the rest of your life? What if it's okay that you're scared that you're going to mess up and showing up as an ally during one of the most incredible racial and social awakenings that this country has seen? What if that was okay? And what if you didn't need to be perfect? And what if it didn't need to look algorithmic? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Life wasn't an Instagram algorithm. So I would say that I think the solution is that, well, what if it isn't a problem? It's just what's so right now. And I think that's part of what we also grapple with is if it's not a problem, then does that mean then that the solution is unique to each and every person? And I think the answer might be yes. I think there's universal themes for sure, but everyone's 1% more courage is going to look like some very different than somebody else's. Echoing Green has this phrase that they use called your moment of obligation. Mm -hmm. Like you see this thing and there's something in you that resonates that says, that's just not right. And it comes to you in a way that you now own it, right? <laughs> like you have to do something about it. I see you just nodding your head back and forth. So what for you, what was that moment of obligation? What was that moment that you just said, I've got to go create something that eventually became in her shoes? My goodness. I'm so glad that you asked this. And it's, it's pretty nostalgic, actually, hearing the question. For me, I'd say one of those very like visceral moments, I think, for me was when I was a young girl. I couldn't have been more than like what the fifth grade probably. And I'm a first generation Filipino American. And so I actually grew up as my first language being Filipino. And I was raised by my grandparents pretty much. And I remember there was a moment where I saw my grandmother have an experience, like there was an exchange 
with her broken English. And she was just trying to communicate that she needed help. And I remember that the individual that was speaking to her, he was a gentleman and he just like casted her aside. And I hesitate saying that because just that the specific, the specificity of to cast someone aside, right? Like it's just nothing. Oh, you're, you're no one. You're nothing. It, this doesn't matter. And this particular exchange happened at the LAX airport, which a lot of folks probably encounter being casted aside there. <laughs> but for me as a fifth grader, those were two humans interacting, but one human didn't feel like they were a human. For me as a fifth grader, they just seemed not important or less than. So I think that for me always ingrained a sense of like justice. There needs to be a sense of equality or justice or frankly, just being seen, I think. And I think that's evolved in in a variety of ways, but I think that's part of what's become my obligation that I have chosen to take it on of what's now in her shoes. When I talk to founders of companies, I often ask, what's the problem? Who has the problem? What were they doing to try to solve the problem? And what are they doing to solve the problem now, right? So what's the offer? What's the thing? So if you were to encapsulate, what is the problem? What would you say it is? I would say the problem from at least what we've seen, right, through the young girls and women in our community is the outlook and quite frankly, the proof and the evidence through certain systems that don't allow for the access and the progression of women at the same rate or velocity as maybe their counterparts. You know, I think that's part of the problem. And we acknowledge it's systemic. It's not just if we focus on one area, then everything's going to be better. They're all interconnected in that way. And there's an intersectionality to it too. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think about your customer, the person who's a perfect person to come sit with you and and to work through this, who is she? She is by far purpose-driven. I think a lot of the times what we've come to notice is they're purpose-driven. They're in the midst of transition in their life, which to be honest, in the beginning, we were a little taken aback, like, oh, that's an interesting theme. But when you think about it, well, yeah, I mean, when you're transitioning, don't you usually feel afraid or require some sense of courage or guidance. And so we definitely notice that about them. And there's someone who is still navigating the beginnings of their career. So I'd say they're not exactly a recent college graduate, but maybe they've reached some level of seniority, maybe got promoted to being a manager or a director of some sort, but they feel like there's something missing. Like what else could I possibly be doing to make an impact? Or they dare to ask themselves, what would I do if I was 1% more courageous? What do I wish I had if I were in a younger position? It is an interesting question. So if 36% of our time in a weekday is spent asleep or in personal grooming, Mm -hmm. and then another 37% of our time is spent at work or in work-related activities. That means for two-thirds of the hours available to you during a week, you're either asleep or you're at work, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to live a a life of purpose and meaning, then the way you spend your time is the way you spend your life. And if you want to bring purpose and meaning to your life, you have to bring it somewhere in that slice of pie called work. What do you see happening there? How do the women that you work with, how do they navigate that 
that desire for meaning and purpose, while at the same time, I mean, you've got groceries to buy and rent to pay. (laughs) Those things are important too. What's the secret, do you think, to bringing purpose and meaning to your work life? The first thing that comes to mind, Tony, is debunking this myth that there's such a thing as work-life balance. I think that's first and foremost that comes to mind, especially after a year like 2020, right? Like we are no longer living, in my opinion, in a world of binaries. There are so many things that are blurred lines, being redefined, being questioned, and reality is being required to, to look a certain way now. By all means, we are huge advocates of you have to pay the bills and make sure you eat, <laughs> right? And you have That's to important. on top of that, right? That's just the reality we live in. But when we look at the intersection of passion and purpose or the intersection of, well, how can you, sure, bring in that paycheck, but then also see the difference that you want to make and then not be disillusioned that you actually can't make that difference only until you're old enough have the most amount of money or you're the top executive. Because that's also a lot of the conversations that we hear is they want to make this difference through an ERG group, for example, in, in their corporate training, but it gets shut down. So I think what we've noticed is having these women see in themselves that they are the catalysts that they keep waiting for someone else to show up as. And how that's, I think, manifested and shown up through the various women we've worked with have been something as simple as striking up that conversation for creating that that opportunity for women to step into or asking for that raise when it's probably the most uncomfortable situation you want to be in right now. So starting off with that 1% and having almost like this group think opportunity where other women can access their own 1% and then collectively begin to be entrepreneurs in a way, right? In their own community. Somebody said this the other day. They said, make a list of everything that you need from a mentor and now become that. So first we have to mentor ourselves and then to become that mentor that somebody else is looking for. So let's talk about in her shoes and let's talk about what's your offer, right? So if somebody interacted with in her shoes what is it? Is it a Mighty Networks group? Is it a Facebook group? Is it a, do you have a courses? Is there a book? What is it? Yes. So first and foremost, we are a nonprofit. And what we are is a community that provides resources, trainings, and programs, both in person and online, that has you catalyze courage in meaningful and tangible ways. Is there a geographic area? Are you doing this globally? How does that work? Yes. So as of right now, we have five chapters across the United States. And before COVID, it was all done in person. <laughs> um, it was live. You could see each other. But ever since you know this past year, it's been completely virtual. We've pivoted all of our programmings, including our summer programs, which targets our youngest audience, which are actually students, and turning that into a curriculum that can be completed online. And so in that sense, it's become global through just the access, right, of, of internet. And I'd say what we're excited for, too, is as the world continues to move forward and hopefully as things open up, we'll be able to continue in-person activations, but growing our chapters also through the online space. So as you've been growing this nonprofit, what have you learned on your journey? 
what have I not learned? (laughs) (laughs) That's the first thing I'll say. You know, the first thing that comes to mind, Tony, is this, it's not meant to be done alone. One of the first things that inspired me to, to start Inner Shoes, aside from my own story, is as a student at university, I read The Rise of the Reluctant Entrepreneur, Ken Banks. I was so compelled by it because I felt like it described me, the reluctant entrepreneur. And I say that now because I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned throughout my experience has been part of that reluctance for me is thinking, can I really do this? Can we really make a difference? Or am I just blowing smoke here? Are we really moving the needle? And I realized that that's only a concern for me when I come from a space of, I have to be the one to do it. I need to be, I have to know it all and I need to make sure it's perfect and and X, Y, Z. But to be honest, I think true, sustainable, scalable impact, it's not meant for just one person. It's a team, it's a community, and it's a movement, really, I think, are the most successful change that we see. So if people were looking for In Her Shoes online or on social media, where would they look? Yes, they can find us on social media at In Her Shoes MVMT, so at In Her Shoes Movement. And then online, you can find us on our website at innershoesmovement.org. And now in these days, you can also just Google us, In Her Shoes, <laughs> and that's also an easy way to find us too. If you were to call on us to go and do something as a result of this conversation, what would it be? Have a conversation, like a real conversation, not a text, not an email, pick up the phone or at a safe and social distant capacity, have a conversation with someone sharing with them what it is that you're up to in your life and just see what opens up. And I say that first and foremost, because I think Part of what is at the heart of inner shoes truly is community and connection. And it's really challenging to catalyze courage when we're not willing to share. Judith, thank you so much for being with us on Social Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. And thanks to you, the listener, for joining us today. You are the reason that we produce Social Entrepreneur. You can find the show notes bonus material, and more at TonyLloyd.com. That's T-O-N-Y-L-O-Y-D.com. Well, listen, thanks so much for joining me today. And until next time, please remember to use this one short, amazing life and go make an impact. Thanks. We'll talk to you next time on Social Entrepreneur.